hack into cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Everybody, welcome to the show. Good morning. It is Monday, September 18th, 2023. Welcome to episode 453 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. Super amped to be back in the A-hole chair. Thank you very much as Eric Taylor slides over to the B-hole chair uh, for covering on Friday. It's great to see everybody. Marcus Kyler, Tom Bishop, saw Ms. Julian in there. Hey, Sherry, Wargoons, everybody over on LinkedIn. Great to have you here. Guys, over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Johnny Five, Philip Martin, Dream Logic, Steve Mount, Kenneth Lowey, Jenny, Jenny over on LinkedIn, we're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. How can you operationalize this? How can we use this knowledge to drive cyber risk reduction? And sometimes it's not as obvious as just patch your stuff. Sometimes it's a bigger picture play about the efficacy of tabletop exercises or maybe having deep, deep pockets to pay those ransoms if you're really feeling it, Caesars. I'm looking at you, boy. Let me see. Catch me outside. How about that? Yeah. So anyways, it's going to be a good one. We've got a great show for you. I'm super, super amped up. Uh, as always, I want to remind you, I do not prepare or uh, prep or research for any of the stories that we're going to be covering. TJ dropping a 10 spot on people's heads. Thank you very much, TJ Zimmer, with the squad memberships. If you're one of the lucky people like Ms. Julian and James Udakudo, Stephanie Strauss getting that emote tray back. I saw you uh, stressing that the emotes were gone, Stephanie. So there you go. Uh, compliments to TJ Zimmer. Hey, Jenny Housley. Great to see you. Guys, remember, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, just like this one, is worth half a CPE. So don't sleep on Getting those CPEs, if you have a cybersecurity certification, you are required to maintain CPEs. The daily cyber threat briefing is worth half, which is like, what? I'm not getting out of bed for half a CPE. Well, check it out. They stack two and a half a week, 10 a month, 30 a quarter. You feel me? So take a, a screen cap of you saying what's up in chat, file it away in a little CPE folder, and basically put the date. You're good to go if you ever get audited. Uh, you're hot to trot. If you don't know what to say, hashtag Team Live in chat right now. Hashtag Team Live. We got 153 of you glorious people on this Monday morning coming in hot. If you're watching on replay, hello from the past. I hope things are good in the future. Do they have flying cars there? Team Replay in the comments. You guys get credit to hashtag Team Replay. And if today is your first episode, if you're like, what? I'm getting Tony Hawk vibes here because of the music. This guy's way too amped up for 8 a.m. What's he on? 
Let us know in chat, hashtag first timer. We love welcoming our first timers. Magdalia, good to see you in chat, bringing the heat this early morning. Cherie Slam, Cobra Crown. Guys, love it, love it, love it. Now, I want to, uh, before we get into it, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors who do enable me to bring this uh, show, which I love to you every single weekday morning, starting with my good friend Eric Taylor. If you were here Friday, you know Eric Taylor. Eric Taylor and Barricade Cyber Solutions are dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. They are that mollifying salve. They are that, ooh, that feels good. Make the pain stop. That's what they are, except they're a business and they, they treat uh, ransomware rashes and business email compromise uh, cuts and scrapes. You feel me? So check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Stuart Finneran, this is your first time? What's up, Stuart? Welcome to the party. Hopefully you uh, get value out of the stream here. Also want to say shout out and thanks to Panopsi Security. Get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. Here's the deal, guys. If you are reactive in your information security program, if you are just like in charge of IT, right? I'm, I'm thinking of a specific municipality CIO who spoke to me recently. I don't know if he's watching, but a, a specific municipality CIO who doesn't have InfoSec staff on hand. And he's like, what are we supposed to be doing? Dude, if this is you, if I just painted a picture of what you're also dealing with, consider Panopsi Security. They can come in and do an enterprise risk assessment of various levels, i.e. various budgets, and give you a plan, a strategy to execute against that will actually drive real cyber risk reduction for your organization. So don't go it alone. Don't just be like the little Dutch boy sticking your finger in the dike wherever it's water shooting out, because that's not a way to live. You are not sleeping well at night. You've probably got five o'clock shadow because you're just like, oh my God, so much stress, so much stress. Any day now, I could get taken down. All right, holler at Panopsi Security, link in the description below, and also anti-siphon training. We'll talk about them at the mid-roll. Want to remind you, hey, Michael Huskin, I'm feeling great. Want to remind you later today, if you say your plans got canceled, say you were going to do some big thing this week and it got scrubbed at the last minute. You could still get in on this anti-siphon training with John Strand, but more about that at the mid-roll. Guys, I am amped up. The French roast is flowing. Had a great little trip uh, last week. Uh, last week. I will talk about that at Jaw and if y'all want. But let's get into the news, shall we? Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Sherry, Jim Wales, Ken Pryor, Trisha. I don't know if I sound like I'm in a tube, but hopefully I don't. Um, do me a favor, everybody. Get your coffee, get your tea, get your bourbon. If you're uh, you're out in the uh, you know time zones that make sense to drink bourbon, <laughs> and if you're drinking bourbon at 8 a.m., I don't know. Maybe maybe you do need to call Panopsi um, and, and get your infosec program straightened out. Whatever it is, get your drink, sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news. Wash over us all in an awesome wave. I will see you guys at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, September 18th, 2023. Lazarus Group suspected in Coinex robbery. 
The theft of $31 what? million dollars in digital assets from the Coinex exchange that occurred on September 12th and that we reported on on Thursday has now been confirmed by at least three independent authorities to have been the work of the North Korea-linked Lazarus Group. The smoking gun in this case was an address that had been used by the group in a previous crypto theft. Analysts from the blockchain security firm Elliptic suggest that these latest attacks are an indication of the group's, quote, shift in focus from decentralized services to centralized ones, likely motivated by improvements in smart contract auditing and the development standards in the DeFi space and increased access offered by centralized exchanges via social engineering attacks, end quote. Thailand. All right, so CISO series threw me for a little loop there uh, by... Hold on, is this the wrong, this is the wrong, oh, okay, so guys, check this out. I was out Friday. CISO series does this every once in a while. I was out Friday, so I didn't know this is a repeat. When you go to their website, oh my God, brah, hold on one second. I, I've got all the wrong stories queued up. And again, since I don't do any prep work, ah, con, all right, hold on, Jesus. Mods, can I get the con gif so I can throw that up here and lose my mind for a minute? Lazarus group. <sighs> you got me. You got me, CISO series. You punked me. All right. One second. One second. Mm. <sighs> Hold on. This is what it looks like when I'm getting the show ready beforehand. Do, 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 do. Here, I'll do the con myself. This is what goes through my mind when stuff like this happens. This is what goes through my mind when this stuff happens. Oh, con! All right. I need an emote for that. If it happens again, we're getting an emote of Kirk's face melting. Ah, I hate it. I, I, you know, like we run, we run roughshod and we ride low on a hip on a train bound for glory. But listen to me. I do try to run a tight program. And when I get a slate of stories that are last Fridays, oh, you better believe I'm not feeling that, brah. Ugh. All right, let's let's keep going. Hold on. What, ah. You done punked me. Financial company CardX discloses... Oh, hold on, I got a comment on the Lazarus story. So, guys, no surprise, the Lazarus story... I'm all sorts of out of whack right now. There, no surprise here. Guys, when this thing popped last last week, I told you... Right. I said, this is Lazarus. There, there is a huge chance this is Lazarus based on the amount of money, based on the type of crime. This is why, like, guys, when I say, um, you know, if you're a regular practitioner, mad value, if you're looking to break into the industry, mad value. Like when this happened, instantly it was Lazarus Group. And if, you, if you've been paying attention, if you've been keeping up to date on like what's going on and stuff, you would have known it was Lazarus too. It wasn't like some like, you know, David Blaine, pick a card type magic trick I just pulled out. This is Lazarus's MO. I actually did go back and look at um, major Lazarus hacks to see. I almost was wondering if they, if it's like the end of the summer season, like they've blown all their money and they go back to the, uh, you know, proverbial... ATM to go get some more cash at the end of every summer, but not really. The Bangladesh bank heist was in February. Um, Axie Infinity Ronin Bridge was in June. So they don't really, they're just <clears throat> opportunistic crypto thefts. But 
I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. So no surprise here. Just there was, you know, if you run a crypto exchange, if you are, if you are somehow involved in fintech, and if you don't know what fintech is, then you don't work in fintech. If you were working in fintech, you absolutely should go above and beyond to be mindful of how Lazarus is doing this. Definitely have strong controls in place for access controls and access management, because that's really the point of entry for these uh, criminals. Okay, now let's go to the card reader story. The Card X company is part of Thailand's SCBX Group, which itself is a holding company for the Siam Commercial Bank Public Company. On Friday, CardX announced a cybersecurity incident that exposed personal loan and cash card applications. The company emphasized that this information cannot be used for financial transactions, but warned customers to be wary of suspicious communications. It emphasized also that the incident was, quote, unrelated to the information systems of Siam Commercial Bank or any other companies in their group, end quote. All right. Well, so I haven't heard of this, but the TLDR here is basically a um, financial system platform. It happens to be in Thailand, but just don't even get your ax don't get wrapped around the axle about that. Let's boil this thing down um, almost objectively so we can make use of it. A financial platform suffered some type of compromise resulting in a data leak of customers' information. Now, as a financial platform, it is imperative to their success for customers of their platform to have faith that their money, okay? Cash, homie. That their money is safe, okay? So in this instance, the financial platform itself wasn't actually compromised. It was just data of, you know, customers' data and stuff like that, which is not good, right? That's a bad look. But they emphasize that fraudulent transactions couldn't be made. Um, guys, if you put your money in a bank, right? There's like a million different banks, credit unions, trading platforms, right? They're all competing with each other. There isn't some like national standard or something like that. So you have options. So if you put your money in a financial platform and they get hacked and you lose money, guess what? You're going to take your money out of there because who cares? Like, I'm not like, I'm not losing money because of you platform. And I, there's other options in the market. So they'll go. So it is imperative to the, like, to the, to the, viability of these financial platforms to ensure that those transactions don't happen. And if they do, even further, to go back to this CoinEx story, um, sorry, Kirk, uh, this CoinEx story, the $31 million, any any customer that was actually impacted, they're going to refund. Again, it's, it's vitally important um, in the financial platforms to do that. So it uh, doesn't surprise me. Again, data, it's it's a day that ends in Y. So someone's data got released. Look for social engineering emails. Oh, you know, like whatever. Like, especially in this instance, if they happen to know what the balances are, that's what I always say, guys. Like when, when these financial platform uh, data breaches happen, I want to know what data, right? Because if it's just, this isn't great, but like name, email address, social security number, address, like those aren't good. That can make for targeted spear phishing emails, but it's not awful. If it has balances, right? That's that's a major thing. And you may not think of it, but balances are important because guess what I'm going to do if I'm a threat actor? I'm going to right-click, sort by, balance, and then just take the top 10, right? Like I'm not going to bother with someone who's like, got 30 bucks in their in their financial account i'm looking for the uh the the whales right someone who's got three million dollars in there if I, i've only dude i don't have a lot of time i've got very little time so i'm going to spend my time attacking the most lucrative juicy you know 
32 ounce tomahawk ribeye steak up in here. I'm not going for like that lamb lolly that's got like, you know, an ounce of meat on it and like three ounces of bone, right? You're picking up what I'm putting down, people. So, what, like, whenever there's a financial transaction hack, look to see if balances are disclosed. And if they are, uh, you better grab your uh, <laughs> Bohica. All right, so let's keep rolling. Ransomware hits trucking software provider. New Jersey-based Orbcom, O-R-B-C-O-M-M, on Friday disclosed a ransomware attack that occurred on September 6th that impacted their fleet manager platform and BT product line. Orbcom provides, <sighs> amongst other things, electronic logging device systems that are required by the U.S. Department of Transportation to monitor drivers' driving time. The disruption has forced drivers to return to paper logbooks. At Friday's announcement, the company would not say which ransomware group was behind the incident or whether a ransom would be paid. All right. So check it out. Surprisingly, you may think that this industry is not a major situation, but two things. One, I'm not going to name names unless they want to self-identify, but we have multiple truck drivers in the Simply Cyber community. We have multiple uh, IT engineer type uh, infosec people who are you know in have important roles at transportation companies you know in the united states right so this is a very relevant a very um important story for the simply cyber community so now one thing that you may not know and i don't know the exact numbers but like in the united states at least trucking delivers um supplies and in ca cargo all over the place all the time like if there's a if there's a down to transportation you know, medicine that could expire, um, could not get delivered. Um, things that, you know, if you don't know where to, to ship the, the cargo, then, you know, that's not going to get to where it's going to go. So there's legitimate supply chain impacts for this particular thing. Now they're saying that this trucking software is responsible for the, uh, logging. And now the truck drivers have to go back to notebooks, logbooks. Um, okay, that's fine. It, I'm more concerned if it screws up what, um, where you're supposed to be shipping the cargo, right? So this is just a ransomware incident. They don't know who the uh, the threat actor is behind it. I'm gonna go out on a limb, and uh, since we take speculative hot takes here, uh, if you if you have Lockbit, if you have Lockbit on your bingo card, uh, go ahead and strike that now. I'm going to go ahead and guess Lockbit, but please, um, you know, make your make your suggestions in chat right now on who the threat actor is, and we'll I'm sure they'll give an update in a day or two. Uh, again, for this one, to me, it's what is the impact to operations? So, uh, one other thing, and you see this in healthcare quite often, but it's interesting to note here. If they've been on this electronic logging system for, say, five years, 10 years, right? And you're a truck driver who's been driving trucks for two years, three years, right? You've never done the logbook, right? So that process, that workflow, what are you supposed to document? What do you do with the logbook when you're done? Are you supposed to make a carbon copy of it, Right? I don't know if it's just a compliance exercise, if the logbooks actually really, really matter. But my point is, if you're not training your staff to deal with downtime procedures, whether it's logging for trucking or it is healthcare and uh, capturing in the medical record or it's financial services and doing bank handoffs, whatever it is, if you depend on technology, you absolutely should strongly consider downtime procedures in your tabletop exercises at a minimum, okay? Tabletop exercises very, very valuable from a cyber risk reduction. And by the way, when you're executing 
when you do tabletop exercises, you're actually refining processes, finding gaps, working through, making sure everybody's on the same page. So if and when, and I hope it doesn't happen, you need to execute those processes. Everybody's familiar with it and you're not bumping into each other like a bunch of clowns getting out of a tiny car. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it, this just brings an interesting point of that downtime procedure and something to think about when you're delivering um, GRC work to your organization. Okay. Like guys, we don't have, like, here's a perfect one. Guys, here's the scenario. We don't have email. Now what? How are you going to communicate? Oh, we'll just send a text message. Oh, do, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Do you have their phone number? Because most people don't memorize phone numbers in 2023, Bob. Like, I get it. I get that you could just text them. Well, I'll just use Gmail. Oh, okay. No, no, that's cool. That's cool. So we're going to start. We're just going to immediately make the decision that we're outsourcing all of our internal business communications to a third-party cloud provider. No problem. So, so Bob, like, let's go ahead and use Gmail. Are we allowed to send anything we want now into Gmail? Can we send, you know, can we negotiate with the, uh, the ransomware threat actors? Can we do normal business operations like finance and accounting, AP work? Well, no, that's ridiculous, Jared. Yeah, no kidding. You, you, hello, welcome, welcome. Please take a seat. You can sit in the front, Bob. Okay, so I hope, hopefully you're getting what I'm saying here. Iran espionage campaign focused on satellite and defense sectors. According to a report from Microsoft posted Thursday, a group named Peach Sandstorm used spray attacks on thousands of organizations in a campaign that ran from February to July. Although password spray attacks are relatively easy to detect, Microsoft is expressing concern about the group's potential ability to deploy more sophisticated methods once they gain access. Microsoft did not say where the targeted organizations were based, but noted that previous peach sandstorm activity occurred during a, quote, rise in tensions between the U.S. and the Islamic Republic of Iran, end quote. Manchester. All right, so they're using a password spraying attack. Um, or, I mean, it's not really password spraying, okay? In my opinion, password spraying is one account multiple password attempts. This is password stuffing uh, an attempt. So basically they have a list of uh, usernames, okay? Most people don't think to protect their username because they're like, what's the big deal? But here's why, <laughs> all right? This Iranian espionage group, uh, Sandstorm Peach, you know, or Peach Sandstorm, whatever it is, uh, which is a Microsoft naming convention, um, is, is doing this. They have a list of usernames and then they take a crappy password, let's say, whatever, uh, summer 2023 exclamation point. And, and by the way, guys, if you're like, how could they randomly pick a password? Dude, two things. One, your password right now probably has a capital letter to start, a bunch of lowercase letters, two numbers, and then ends in the exclamation point. All right. If I just told you your password, don't sweat it. That wasn't like, this is not David Blaine's magic Mondays. That's just like a standard that a lot of English peeping, English speaking people do. Now, having said that, you can choose a crappy password that a lot of end users typically have and then run down a list and see if you can log in. Because remember, all the threat actors want is access. They don't care who's access. Once they get access, then they'll use other techniques and stuff to elevate privilege or move laterally and stuff like that. So literally, they don't care which door is unlocked in the apartment building. They just want to get into the apartment building somehow. Again, like from a metaphor perspective, they don't care what door in the apartment building they get into, but if they find one door unlocked, they're going to go in and then they can get up into the HVAC 
the 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 air conditioning duct system, and then they can squirm around wherever they want. You, you see what I'm saying, right? That's that's basically what they're trying to do here. Microsoft is identifying it. By the way, it's very easy to detect if you are. Hey, Indie Advent, Indie Advent, first timer. Nice, nice. So here's the thing: when you look in the logs and you see failed password attempt for BSEC, then failed password attempt for like CSEC, and then failed password attempt for DSEC, right? Not that they have, not that they have to go alphabetically, but you're going to see it as failed attempt and it's going to iterate over. Now it can hide in the noise, but a lot of times, and this is something that's easier to detect in the logs programs, like threat actors are not putting de like random delays. They can, but oftentimes they're not putting random delays into um, their scripts. So you'll see like, Failed password attempt, 1.4 seconds later. Failed password attempt, 1.4 seconds later. Failed password. You see what I'm saying? Like you can you can see the pattern. It's not human. It's very much scripted. Uh, so this is how you can see these things. Again, multi-factor authentication, not having crappy passwords. The final thing I'll say about this, and I think this is really cool if you don't know about this. Microsoft uh, Office 365. Okay. So if you are running a Microsoft Office 365 shop, definitely listen up. Okay. And if you're interviewing for a place that has Office 365, maybe you drop this knowledge bomb in an interview and see what happens. Microsoft Office 365 has a, uh, a setting or a configurable option called banned global password list. All right. And when you turn it on, basically, it will not allow your end users to use crappy passwords. Now, you won't get a list of the global ban password list because it's dynamic, right? Microsoft's constantly updating it and stuff like that. But like password one, two, three, summer 2023 exclamation point, like these crappy passwords, you are not allowed to have. So in addition to like uh, not, you know, like let's say it's it's 12 characters, upper, lower, special, and you try to type in password one, two, three, all lowercase, and you get that like this password doesn't conform to uh, policy or standards. It, it's very similar to that. If they try to type in a globally banned password, the Microsoft will report back to them. You can't use this password. Choose a different one, which can lead to some frustration. But guess what? An ounce of frustration for Carl. Is worth it for a like a gallon of turmoil if Carl's account gets cracked by one of these like Iranian um, APTs. You see, you know what I'm saying. So check it out. It's the global. It's I think it's called the global band list, um, and it's really cool. And you can actually turn it on, and I believe you could turn it on, and it doesn't immediately screw over your end users who have crappy passwords. But when the next time they go to change their password, if you have password rotation as part of your cybersecurity program, they won't be able to uh, configure it to be a crappy password. So definitely check that out, okay? Police forces suffer breach. The police force of Greater Manchester in England has had to alert its 12,500 officers and staff of a breach of private data that was held on officers' warrant cards, including what? names, ranks, photographs, and serial numbers. This follows a similar breach at the Metropolitan Force. In both cases, this appears to have been the result of a ransomware attack on a third-party vendor, Digital ID, that, according to The Guardian, quotes, makes identity cards and lanyards for a number of UK organizations, including several National Health Service Trusts and universities, end quote. 
Although many customers of Digital ID purchase its printers and then manufacture the cards in-house, some, which the Guardian understands to include the Metropolitan and the Greater Manchester Police Forces, provided the data to the company for outsourced printing. All right. I'm a little, okay, I'm, a, I'm getting a little annoyed here. That's the second time today. That's the second time today CISO series has not executed in, in my workflows well, okay? All right, so police department, guys, law enforcement. All right, like, dude, like, okay, so it doesn't matter who you are. Almost all businesses use some third party for something, right? Whether it's the people who clean the clean the uh, the facilities, whether it's the people who print the ID badges, whether it's the people who host the email businesses, whether they're the police force or they're a trucking company are gonna use third party services. It's just a fact in 2023. But when those third party services get impacted by a cyber incident, you as a customer, you having integrated it into your business, are going to be impacted in some way, which by the way, is me and Neil Bridges went round and round on this like a couple years ago, but that's why third-party risk management is a thing. It's not a joke. It's not a punchline. GRC is a thing. Third-party risk management is a thing. And this is, this is an example right here of why you need to think about third-party risk management. And yeah, you could have sent them a questionnaire and they could have filled the questionnaire out, but that's not real third-party risk management. That's like um, that's like a security theater, uh, more than anything else. All right. So this company that makes ID badges, it's got pictures of cops. It's got names of cops. Here's the deal. Yes, it is extremely serious. Yes, it's a big deal. But really at the end of the day, in my opinion, if you are a criminal, right. And you're going to impersonate a cop, like you're, a, a, a like, um, you're a, um, what do they call those uh, mini bosses? Like you're a mini boss in a Mission Impossible movie, okay? You're gonna make the fake ID anyways. Like you don't need this data. Like I can, like I can look online at what a cop's badge looks like and recreate it. Right? This isn't turn of the century where we don't have access to like facilities and stuff like that. So again, I'm not saying you should impersonate a cop. That's a that's a gross crime. Uh, I'm just saying. While this is serious, to me, thinking of the impact, um, it doesn't impact, as far as I can tell, it doesn't impact the police being able to do their job. It doesn't p prevent the police from being able to swipe in to some facility. It's not like the gate, the the uh, the readers are tied to some uh, back end infrastructure that's now preventing them from being able to do their job. It sounds like it's just data of a company that makes ID badges for them, right? So. Again, like if you were going to commit a crime as a impersonating a cop, chances are you would have done this anyways, right? Um, or you you could have done this. This doesn't unlock some like oh like some next level crime wave. Okay, all right. And now a word from our sponsor, Hyperproof. Tired of managing risk and compliance in oh spreadsheets? Oh my god, bro! Sick of dragging down stakeholders to find evidence? Worried about whether that evidence is up to date for your next audit? Hyperproof has you covered. With Hyperproof, you can efficiently manage multiple compliance frameworks and risks in a single place so that you can focus on what matters most, keeping your company secure and growing. 
Visit hyperproof.io to get a demo. That's H-Y-P-E-R-P-R-O-O-F dot I-O. All right. Uh, yes, let's do this. And by the way, Jeremy Williams. Jeremy Williams in chat. Good to see you, Jeremy. I was thinking about you the other day. It's been a minute since we saw you. I hope you're well, dude. Love me some Jeremy Williams. All right. So check it out. It's the mid-roll. Indy. I know it's your first time here. No, we got TJ Zimmer. Did we just become best friends? Yep. With a 10 spot, Stephanie Strauss picked up some of those squad emotes. Guys, listen to this. If you're a first time here, like Indy and a couple other people, welcome to the mid-roll. This is what we do. Is it, how am I doing on time? Oh, look at that. 8.30 on the dot. Bottom of the hour. All right, guys. I hope you're getting entertainment value. I hope you're getting educational value from the stream. Uh, we, we have had some hiccups during today's stream, but that's what we're doing. Taylor McDonald passes SSCP exam on Thursday and Sec Plus on Sunday. Holy crap. Jesus, Taylor McDonald just like, like, you want to talk about coming in like a wrecking ball? Bro, we'll do two of those. Nice job, Taylor. Way to crush it, man. Way to crush it and just keep on, just keep on keeping on, man. I love it. All right, guys, if you're getting entertainment value, if you're getting educational value. Uh, oh, yeah, hold on. We just best friends. Yep. Yes. All right. Hey, thanks so much, Barricade Cyber and Panopsi, for the continued uh, support of the stream. I also want to tell you guys about Anti-Siphon Training. Anti-Siphon Training and John Strand. Feel free to use the John Strand emote if, you have a, if you're a squad member. They are here to disrupt traditional training uh, in the cybersecurity industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of their financial position. They offer their students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what's taught, engage the community. They do it at a ridiculously accessible price point also. If you use the link in the description below, go to training, go to pay what you can training and scroll down. I just want to call your attention to literally today, today, Today at 11 a.m. Eastern time, you can see it right here. John Strand getting started in cyber with Black Hills and Miter Attack. It's a, it's, it's, it only has it for two days, but it's supposed to be a four-day training, so I'm not quite sure what's going on. But, dude, this is an amazing opportunity, and it's pay what you can. Zero dollars, no problem. Twenty-five dollars, no problem. Hundred dollars, no problem. All right, go check it out. Nancy Siphon Training. Love what they're doing. Very, very proud to be affiliated with them. Guys, do me a favor. If you are getting value, hit the like button. It goes a long way. The reason that Indy probably found the stream today, hashtag first timer Indy, is because all of you on Friday hit the like button. It, 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 it triggers the algorithm to notify other people who are searching for cyber content that aren't here right now. Holy sh... We have a new record. We have a new record for... Uh, I was going to say how many people are here, but we have a new record, y'all. 368... 368 that is a record congratulations everybody please hit the like button let's keep pumping those numbers dude super pumped super super pumped guys let's talk about the simply cyber community challenge for a hot minute the simply cyber community challenge is a, a community run initiative that basically hacks linkedin that allows you to build uh thanks king victor Love it, love it, love it. Guys, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is a community-run initiative that allows us to hack LinkedIn, build a meaningful network for each of you. You get your own network, right? Let's get the, the, the Oprah email out. You get a network, you get a network, you get a network, you get a network. Boom, baby. 
listen. Right now, um, Ozma has the baton, and Ozma is passing it on to I am Nama. I am Nama Libre, individualist. I'm a Nama Libre individualist. If you want to accept that challenge, pick it up, guys. Here's what you need to do. Listen, if you if you want a supercharged, highly effective professional network on LinkedIn and you want supportive, inclusive content, if you want to help others and be helped by others, then listen up. Go on LinkedIn, search for this hashtag. Once you find it, connect with every single person commenting, connect with every single person posting, and comment yourself. You will get picked up in the Peloton and watch out because you are about to ignite your professional network on LinkedIn. It's going to go gangbusters. It's going to erupt. Just do it. Trust me on this one. You'll thank me later. Let's look at this uh, super chat that just came in. Brittany, I got the job as a security awareness and reporting coordinator. Thank you for the help. I talked about Simply Cyber interview. They loved it. Oh, man. Oh, so. Dude, this is so epic. Brittany, congratulations. Super pumped for you. Guys, this is what I'm talking about. I cannot, listen, I cannot promise you a job. That's absolutely unreasonable. But if you do the things that we talk about, if you follow through, if you consistently execute, I'm telling you, this is what, like, this is it. This is what, like, there's no, there's no mystery here. There's no magic. There's no secret sauce. It's literally show up, put the work in consistently, network, be a good person, do good things. And I'm telling you, these things happen. Definitely. Congratulations, Brittany. And congratulations, Taylor. I'm so, so happy for all of you and everyone else. Uh, hashtag passive observer, people that are having great things happen to them and uh, a little shy to share it. Um, you know, we we support you too. Guys, what an epic win. Uh, today is Monday, which is typically Callan's Art of the Week. Uh, every single day of the week has like a little special segment um, and today is for my son, Callan. He he's very creative, very artistic. He usually makes different uh, art things. He spent a lot of time this weekend working in Roblox, building uh, Minecraft, excuse me, working in Minecraft, building a special fort. Um, I, I'm unable to show you that Minecraft fort, but believe me, I spent some time in there with him on, uh, on Sunday, uh, tooling around there. He was showing it off to me. Great stuff. Congratulations, Callan. Uh, definitely happy to have you as part of the show. Let's keep going. Colombian government ministries suffer from cyber attack on their network provider. In Colombia, several government ministries, including the Ministry of Health and Social Protection, the Judiciary Branch, and the Superintendency of Industry and Commerce are dealing with a cyber attack on their provider, IFX Networks Colombia. This is affecting court dates and is forcing the ministries to work out alternative methods for delivering their services. Although no group has yet claimed responsibility, experts are seeing strong similarities in the ransom note to one used by the Ransom House Group on Colombian healthcare provider Keralty last November. All right. North Carolina. All right. So here's the deal. Um, Colombian municipality hit with ransomware. Um, yeah. I mean, this is the deal. Guys, Brazil. I'm not, I'm not saying Brazil did it, okay? But like, don't think that South America isn't, you know, running around doing um, ransomware operations, right? Brazil's got a pretty healthy uh, infosec space. Argentina's got a pretty healthy infosec space. Um, we see it in the United States all the time. Municipalities, 
local, state, federal government, they typically, well, federal is not too bad, but like local government, they don't typically have the resources to properly implement InfoSec. So they're kind of just duct taping it and, uh, you know, fishing line and, and, you know, trying to make, you know, a dollar out of 15 cents. Ugh, Tupac. Okay. So they're, they're soft targets, right guys? That's at the end of the day, they're soft targets, which is kind of funny because they don't have the resources to properly input InfoSec, yet you're going to hit them for ransomware and make them pay money, which they sometimes do. But the point is they don't have money to hire staff. Now, sometimes they do have money and they're just spending it on other things because they don't understand that they need InfoSec. Um, so there isn't much here, guys. Like this is, a, this is a basic B, rinse and repeat ransomware on a government story, okay? And I'm not downplaying Columbia um, it sucks for them and services are down, right? So you can't pay your bill, which you might be like, Ooh, I want to pay my bill. Uh, like who cares if I can't pay my bill? How about this? Like you're trying to buy a piece of real estate and you can't close on it because they can't, they can't sign the title over because they can't process it. Right. Let's say your, um, power got shut off for whatever reason last week. And now they can't turn the power back on because the systems are down, right? There is real impact to individuals and to businesses when the government shuts down. Okay. So it's not all like whatever, uh, but hopefully they get back up soon. Again, I'm, I almost want to make like a, 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 a video I can just play every single time. Ransomware, like it sucks and you've got to put in protection mechanisms from it. And then you have to put in recovery mechanisms from it. You have to assume you're going to get hit with ransomware and practice and identify what you need to do after you get hit with ransomware, how quickly you can get back up, what talent, what skills, what resources do you need to get back up? What order do you restore systems in? And basically hope you never have to use it. But I'm telling you, you'd be happy that you did uh, when you, when you, when, if and when you ever need it. Hospitals suffer from Klopp Move It campaign. Nuance, a healthcare technology company owned by Microsoft, has confirmed the theft of personal data from 13 North Carolina hospital groups related to the ongoing Move It campaign driven by the Klopp Group. Nuance addressed and fixed the issue immediately upon learning about the flaw from progress on May 31st, but they warned patients and others to be wary of suspicious activity. A listing of the hospital groups affected is available in the show notes to this episode. All right. I mean, what, what? I mean, this is like, uh, what is this? Like residuals from uh, from the Move It, from the Move It breach not too long ago. Basically, Nuance. If you work in healthcare, you want you know what Nuance is. Klopp ransomware gang still trying to like you know get their arms around and count all their money from the Move It um, uh, vulnerability exploit a couple months ago. Big, big story. If you don't, if you don't know about the move it story, like say like Indy, I know Indy's here for the first time. Maybe Indy's trying to break in and doesn't know about this story. Definitely go check out the move it, um, tr uh, vulnerability because it was massive and everybody in the industry definitely knows about it. Okay. This is it right here. You don't want to not know about that one. Um, they've already been hit. The cool thing is I didn't realize Microsoft owned a healthcare technology company. I guess there you go. Um, and they, there was a problem. They fixed it immediately. So whatever. Not, not, much, not much meat on the bone here. And now last week in ransomware. Obviously, the story of the week last week was the attacks on the MGM and Caesars casino chains in Las Vegas. 
Caesars paid the ransom demand after negotiating it down to $15 million from $30 million, according to the Wall Street Journal. The attacks were conducted by Black Cat Alf V ransomware affiliate Scattered Spider, exploiting 100 VMware ESXi servers. Also last week, in addition to the police forces of Manchester and Orbcom trucking software mentioned just earlier, New Zealand's Auckland Transportation Authority was hit, and a new ransomware operation called 3AM was discovered, finishing off a job that Lockbit was blocked on. Remember, there are... All right. So, yeah, I, I was out Friday, as many of you know. Uh, Eric Taylor covered for me. Um, this week in ransomware, the big story last week was absolutely MGM and Caesars getting hit. I had heard MGM got hit through um, Threat Actor, basically social engineering help desk in order to get access to a global tenant admin, which is absolutely nauseating that that worked. I did find it interesting, and I'd love, you know, maybe during... Um, Maybe during Jawjack, and we can talk about this. I do find it interesting that MGM and Caesars both got hit at the same time. But, dude, like a social engineering attack on a senior admin, um, that's not like the move it vulnerability where, like, you could just hit everybody who was doing that. It, it just seems to me, it seems coincidental that, like, the two largest kind of like resort, you know, casino resorts um, got hit at the same time. It's just kind of kind of strange obviously i suspect it's the same threat actors in both instances it just it doesn't there's no like besides their industry there's nothing tying them together so it to me it was kind of weird um but anyways uh obviously this week in ransomware i say this every single monday go through here this is a smorgasbord cornucopia of opportunity find a story in here that resonates with either uh, research you're doing with the industry you work in with, um, you know, a, like a, a business, uh, um, not business, like business size of, uh, related to you. Basically what you want to do is find one of these ransomware stories that is resonates with whatever your situation is and file it off. Because when you have to put a deck together to educate your end users, or when you need to put a deck together to ask for budget, or when you need like whatever, you want it to not just be a whatever ransomware story. You want it to be somewhat relevant in some way so it grabs your um, viewers or your attendees' attention to, to lock them in, right? If you work in like, you know, the, the trucking story earlier, right? That if you have that trucking transportation hit story, and you could talk about what the impact is to the business, that's way more effective than talking about like the Caesars one, right? Like, oh, like the Caesars, you know, they, they had to pay $15 million. Okay, like that sounds crazy, but then the, you know, the executives like, yeah, they're Caesars, they have tons of money. Like, okay, like, you know, I'm already on my phone, not listening to you, nerd. You know what I mean? So it, it's it's critically important. If you're, if you're just trying to go for compliance checkbox type stuff, then yeah. Tell any story you want. If you actually want to get budget, if you actually want to modify end users' behavior to effectively reduce cyber risk, then you need to choose stories that are relevant to them. Let I mean, guys, let's be real. If it if it doesn't resonate with you personally, you don't care. Okay? Like you can force yourself to try to care, but in reality, whenever you like like think about any email you get from HR at work about something, right? Like, oh, like uh. Like, you're like, okay, like, I'm not reading this. Or you read like two sentences and you're like, what next, right? It needs to hit with you personally, right? And, and, and that's why I say it every Monday. Grab a story that resonates with your industry, um, 
you know, whatever and, and get on it, right? If you work in hospitality, that Caesar story, mwah, chef's kiss. If you work in trucking, the Caesar story, less, less important. Mono Julian, hope you're, uh, hope you're feeling well, my friend. All right, guys, that's going to do it for the news today. How are we doing on time? 846. I don't know what happened there. We don't usually finish this early. Kind of a hot mess on fire going on in here. Guys, let me see what this is. All right, super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, Mono Julian. Dark side is wild in an Azure environment. We can Google that in a second. Guys, if you were here just for the news, I thank you. If it was your first time, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you come back and spend some more time with us. We are here every single weekday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time, delivering this hot, spicy cyber threat briefing uh, to each of you. Brad Swenson, my friend. What's up, Brad? Welcome to the party. All right, guys. Um, so now, if you just wanted the news, feel free to peace out, and we'll see you at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. But otherwise, if you want, what we do now is called jawjacking. Brad, get some of this, buddy. Oh, wait, hold on. Did we do the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? Did, did, um, did, did, hold on. Before we go, we need to get somebody to take the baton. That's critically important here. Um, while we're getting someone on the baton, Ethan Nottingham says, first time listening in as a team live. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you for the encouragement and support from the community. Pass Sec Plus last week. Boom, baby. Boom, baby. Love it, love it, love it. Nick, you got to do the uh, elliptical while doing the threat briefing. You know what I mean? Like, really, you got to get into it. We need a tag. All right. So we need someone to take on the baton. Here we go. Uh, Trisha, that's okay. Enjoy the enjoy the training. We'll be here. Always, they'll always be jaw jacking. Take it easy, Carmen San Diego. Um, okay, no problem. All right, so hey, I'm gonna just uh, I'm just going to pick somebody. Okay, I'm gonna pivot into jaw jacking. Jenny Housley, please. Uh, Asma Dife Allah, please tag somebody. Uh, we got to 372 today. A new record, guys. Tell a friend. Bring a friend uh, with you. Hit the like button on your way out. Now let's pivot into jawjacking. I love this part of the story. I'll see you in a hot minute, y'all. All right, hold on. I got to get better at the YouTube. Hold on. There we go. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I've done this before, believe me. There we go. Yay! All right, cool. Welcome to Jawjacking. So Brad, Swenson, Indy, other first-timers. We do the news, but some of the community just wants the news. They don't want any jacking around. So we've moved Jawjacking to the end. This is basically just chill, hang out. You can see by the vibes of what we're doing here, it's all about good times. Um... And let's do some AMA and hot, hot, hot handoffs here. Stephen Browning wouldn't mind taking the baton. Let's see. Yeah, all right, let's do it. Stephen Browning. No. All right, so, hey, first question coming in. Stephen Browning, please uh, take the baton. Just say you'll take it, and uh, we'll all look forward to your... Um, we'll all look forward to your post. Indie Advent says, I've been watching the VODs for a month. 
but man, you get on the live session today. And isn't it great having you on the live? Um, so check this out really quickly. Jeremy Williams asked really quick how the studio's going. I've got some major updates on the studio. Mrs. Ozier has been busting her butt um, with the built-ins and the construction project. It looks amazing, guys. It looks freaking amazing. I can't wait to share it with you guys. I suspect that I will be moving into the studio in the next two to four weeks, if I had to guess. We have a lot of travel and stuff coming up, um, so that may impact things. We're still holding it down up here in the uh, the OG studio, so there's no like, um, you know, there's no in, um, urgency to get in there. Um, but guys, studio looks wicked, wicked nice. Uh, I can't wait to show you. I'll make like a little video uh, thingamajig of, of of all of that. Uh, really quick, BSEC jumping into chat here saying, I'll be in the, uh, that trucking stuff. Okay, so the trucking story that we covered earlier is a huge deal. BSEC does work in transportation, just so you guys. He said the reason it's a big deal is because truckers are allowed to go seven days on paper logs, and then they start getting fines. Great cash, homie. So for this, if you don't have a business continuity plan in place, it could start costing drivers and companies fines for not being on electric logs. Basically, it could shut down the trucking business, which, as I said earlier, is a major problem. Catch me outside. How about that? You do not want to. You do not want any of that happening. Oh yeah, Indy, you're gonna be crushing it today. Let's see. All right. Hey, really quickly, uh, Jerry, have you moved? Okay. Yeah. Um. All right, so hey, check this out really quickly. I don't know if you guys saw this. I posted about this on LinkedIn. Um, let me see. Scammer Payback has this like awesome video. Check this out. 930,000 views and it was posted yesterday. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. 100 people versus scammers. I'll drop a link in chat this is such a well-made video um john hammond and um ryan montgomery who is uh known as uh zero day o day um ctf uh he's number one on try hack me like literally the number one person on try hack me they're both in this video uh helping dude if you hate people getting victimized and compromised if you hate um, scumbags, there's Ryan right there on the left. Um, let's see, where's John? Anyways, it's really, really cool. It's definitely worth your time, energy, effort to uh, check it out. Yeah, there's there's John Hammond right there. Definitely, dude, it's such a feel-good story. Go check it out. Um, I love it. Okay. Steven accepts the challenge. Yeah, go get it, Steven. Straight crush it, man. All right. Let me keep going. Nicole, that was amazing. Agreed. Indy watched it last night. Knows what I'm talking about. Kenneth addicted to the show. Love it. Um, I mean, like, it. not only does it, is it, like, interesting and well-produced, like, the actual production quality of the video is excellent, Dude, it's very rare for me to watch a 55-minute video on YouTube, and I absolutely watched it with coffee yesterday. It was like, it was straight up like must-see TV. I loved it. 
Um, and I just, and it's like a righteous mission. You know what I mean? Like it, like 90 year old grandparents getting scammed people literally putting all the money they have cash into a box and mailing it to an address. Like people are doing that and somehow they don't question it, right? That That's who we're trying to help. We're trying to help victims here. Not I, like I, we, who the hell am I? I, I? They're trying to help victims. Jerry, would you recommend learning tools like Wireshock, Spiceworks individually or within some sort of project? So I don't know about Spiceworks. I'm confused because Spiceworks used to be like an open source CRM and now I think it's done other stuff. But Johnny5, I think Wireshark is excellent to use. Um, and learn a couple reasons. One, if you're going to be a defender, Wireshark's definitely useful. Um, plus, by learning Wireshark, you're going to get exposed to networking um, protocols, networking styles. You, you're going to be able to see stuff. I do want to share this really quickly. Um, as far as learning it within a project, I, I, I think applied learning for Wireshark is definitely valuable. The number one place I would go for learning is malwaretrafficanalysis.net. This, this website's dope. Uh, let me see this, Johnny. All right. Oh, I'm going to have to skip this song. This song is so good, but Jesus. Like, like I'm going to, like, the, <laughs> this song, like, slowly, I'm going to start, like, cross-dissolving into, like, having, like, a crushed velvet uh, smoking jacket on. And then, like, the lights are going to turn, like red behind me and like all of a sudden i'm gonna have like a a bourbon and be like how you doing simply cyber community huh you know what i mean that's what's going on with this song <laughs> we have to we have to get away from that that's too much it's too early for that uh anyways this right here um is excellent because there is so much um you get you get a pcap right you get a pcap and then it asks you quiz questions on how, on like, you know, it's like a, it's like a lab challenge, right? And then typically they have the answers at the bottom. Um, let me see. Yeah. So, and you can see right here, they have the answers. So, you know, you try it for yourself, you see if you get it and then you answer the questions. I mean, you, you, and if you get stuck, you just do the, the answers and there's like hundreds of these here. So it's not like, you know, there's like two, there's two when you're like, uh, this is great. This is such a great resource. Exactly. Jenny Housley. This is what I'm talking about. That song right there. You got to be careful with that song because this is what I'll turn into right here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's keep rolling. Should I start learning Linux with Ubuntu or Kali or blue team? So, I mean, if you're learning Linux, um, it doesn't matter. Ubuntu or Kali. Um, I think they're both built on Debian. I would personally do Kali. Just because it's a Kali box doesn't mean that you need to do, like, hack all the things, right? Like, Kali, at the end of the day, is just a Linux distro. Um, if you want to try Ubuntu... See, the, the whole thing with Ubuntu, and, I, and, and I'm not knocking it. I like Ubuntu, too. But, like, the whole thing with Ubuntu is that it's, um, it's like Windows. It's got a GUI on it, right? I run Kali as my, like, normal Linux. You can see here... Um, I don't know if you can see it, but like you can see here, like when I launch, um, when I launch my WSL, it automatically uh, loads up in a Kali box. But I also have Ubuntu on my machine. I don't run the Ubuntu very much ever. I pretty much just run the Kali instance, and I very seldomly use it for cybersecurity. Right? Like I might, I might do like an Nmap, whatever, or 
you know, if I'm doing some CTF, I'll use my Kali box. But for the most part, I just like run around um, in Kali Linux using it as just a Linux distro. Plus, <clears throat> depending on what your resources are, um, Ubuntu is a bit, a bit heavier demand on resources because it's got more going on than Kali. With Kali, you can actually say what kind of Kali builds you want. With Ubuntu, you just get the Ubuntu build. Hopefully that answers your question. All right. Mono Julian's throwing it out here. Oh, really quickly, Brandon Smith enjoying the GRC Masterclass. Well, thank you, Brandon. Uh, appreciate the squad support and the kind words about the GRC class. I, I am uh, very, very biased. I think the GRC class is awesome. Mono Julian... What a great way to display GRC capabilities for any task within life sciences or gov. Is there a lab I can utilize that is reflective of real world situations? Most labs I see are mainly technical. Hmm. Oh, what is a great way to display GRC capabilities? Um, so Mono Julian's asking how to, how to do this. What, one thing I would say, okay, it's a bit of an effort, right? But one thing you, I, you could do, and great, this is great networking opportunity, opportunity Mono, right? Maybe, and I'm just throwing this out there, okay? In my GRC masterclass, in the information security awareness module, I show you how to make effective information security awareness training for end users, right? 60 second clip, use Canva, get a story from the daily cyber threat brief podcast, whatever. One idea, if you wanted to do InfoSec um, GRC stuff, Right, you said life sciences are government. So start doing like mono, mono's like, you know, uh, life science, cybersecurity tip of the week, right? Like, you know, workshop the name there, but like mono's tip of the week or mono's Monday's tip of the week, right? Like set, set something up and then make information security awareness training nugget and just push it every week and then use the right hashtag so it gets into the people's feeds who it most matters to. And you can ace be demonstrating that you're making effective information security awareness so you could start building a portfolio of that. B, you start identifying your, your branding as someone who knows life science, infosec, and who is delivering cybersecurity awareness education, etc. Like that's a good way to do it. That's not a lab per se that I can point you to. That's just me saying how, how you could do it and you get added benefit and added impact. Just like, I mean, Simply Cyber, again, like that's like going way, way down the path. But like Simply Cyber, that's what I do. And I make information security awareness training. I go I go bigger, obviously, than just life science cyber awareness. But I will say, you know, again, I can't promise anyone a job. But like I haven't had to apply my last two jobs. They like they they said, what's it going to take for you to quit your job and come work for us? We know what you can do. We've seen Simply Cyber, right? So there is power in branding yourself and showing that value. Okay. Um, and again, I'm glad to see you're feeling uh, better out of the hospital, Mono. Uh, King Victor B says, hey, Jerry, wonderful show as usual. You are so, so kind. Uh, I was wondering if you could break down how data is actually valued. Value of sensitive data versus your name versus your address. <laughs> sure. Okay, so it really... There's a lot of factors that depends on this. So when, when you say value of data, cash, there's a couple of things you got to consider. One, like there's 
who's valuing it, right? So are you saying your own value? Are you saying the value to data brokers for legitimate? I mean, it sucks, but for like legitimate business, right? The way data brokers sell um, your Facebook quiz data to like the, uh, you know, like the Republican National Party or the Democratic National Party in order to demonstrate, oh, like this swath of America, like lower Ohio seems to really favor, um, you know, Planned Parenthood type stories over gun law type stories, right? Based on their feed and Facebook and the way they're clicking and sharing stuff. So that's obviously a more polarizing topic, a more interesting topic for our candidate to discuss when they go visit Ohio, right? So that's just a fictitious example, but that's, that's like a legal way of having data have value and that's massive value right because now you're talking about strategic planning for businesses and campaigns and organizations marketing okay then there's value of dark web right so you you steal a bunch of credit cards and you put them on the dark web you steal a bunch of initial access credentials and you put them on the dark web what are they valued there like what's the market for 500 user accounts to an office 365 instance versus credit cards um data dumps right so there's even your question, uh, King Victor B, has to be qualified because now we're talking about the value of data based on the market in which it's being sold. OK, now I will say the value of data from a risk cyber risk perspective is uh, also complicated. OK, so like if you think of the value of research. OK, so think about like when the covid vaccine was being developed, right? Pfizer, um, the other one, whatever it was, um, I can't even remember what it's called. But anyways, they were like, we didn't really have to pay for the shots or anything, but they were making billions of dollars. We're talking real, real money. Okay. Plus actually doing a public service of saving people from dying. Right. Okay. So if, if you spend all that money developing that technology or you're making the Tesla battery, Think about what it costs to make a technology, right? Like the Tesla battery or a vaccine. You need the talent who can actually do the engineering. You need the money to resource the products and the lab machines and the technology and all that. And you need time. This isn't a video game where you, you know, you, you know, pay for some DLC content, downloadable content. And all of a sudden you've got weapons upgrades or you've unlocked nuclear technology right you need time to research and test and all that so money for people money for resources time to get that and then at the end of the day you develop that technology that's massively valuable so if you can steal that and have to basically not pay for people not pay for technology and certainly not have to cut uh worry about time so you can go faster to market that's super 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 valuable okay so there's that. Now, as far as uh, it, it gets really into the weeds around data and data value and data governance and all this other stuff. So um, I, I'm going to move on to another question. Uh, King Victor B. I, let me know if that answered your question. I could do an entire uh, like I could do an entire lecture series on data and data value and data governance and all these things. So hopefully um, hopefully that works. Let me make sure I don't have a meeting. It is nine o'clock, so I have to check my phone to make sure I don't just mow through another meeting. Okay, no, I'm good. All right. Um, 
I'm currently taking the GRC Masterclass. Yes. Nice job, Armel. I love it. Okay. Um, is there a training certification you can recommend as a GRC analyst to help me with cloud security for GRC and audit purposes? Yeah, so Armel, it really depends on what platform of cloud you want. I mean, if you're talking one of the big ones like Google Compute, AWS, or Office or uh, Azure, those individual platforms have free training because they want as many people to know their platform as possible. I would focus, if I were you, I would go look at cybersecurity, um, excuse me, I would go look at Microsoft training. Here, let's just do it on stream together. Microsoft training security. I think it's the AZ 500. Here you go. This is where I would go. If I were you and I had that question, who is this, Armel? Armel, that's what I would do right there, buddy. A lot of times... Um, the security certification costs money. So like this part right here costs money. And this part right here, the actual learning does not cost money, right? So you can go here, explore the learning paths. Um, come on, what's going on? What are we doing? What are we doing? I have zero patience for technology. Come on, bro. Um, yeah, look at this. Describe features for governance and compliance. Describe Azure management and governance. This is GRC in the cloud all day, every day. So get up on that. That's the exact, this is the best answer to your question in, in my opinion. Okay. 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 Do we have anything coming up for October cybersecurity month? BSEC's asking. Um, I, I've been um, very much running around uh, like a maniac trying to get all my stuff lined up. I went, I went full time on September 5th and I had the pipeline full of work and I'm still trying to dig out from it. So I do not currently have anything lined up for October cybersecurity awareness month, but, um, community, if you'd like to do something mods, if you'd like to do something, I'm open to discussing it. I just, and I hate, I, I hate to sound, um, I don't know if this is prickish, but like, I've just got a lot on my plate right now. I've committed to doing that Cyber 101 course before the end of the year. I'm working my A off on that. I've got more speaking engagements lined up. I've got another large client deliverable I'm working on. I'm doing an enterprise risk assessment, hopefully in Q1. So, so I, I would love to talk about it, uh, be second community, but it's just, uh, I don't know right now. All right. Uh, what did you cover? Jerry, what did... You covered the MGM cybercrime. I don't know what you mean, D. Barry. Um, I think on Friday's live stream, the MGM story was covered uh, by Eric Taylor. Um, my understanding, I guess the one thing I know about the MGM, what I heard is that a um, threat actor went on LinkedIn, looked who was a senior IT person at the resort hospitality group, called help desk, impersonated them, and then... Um, you know, got got in and, and then was off and running. All right. Uh, Chris Lewis, I'm working with my, I'm working with my MSCS. So I think he's working on his master's in cybersecurity, cyber operations at DSU with hopes of continuing my PhD there as well. Way to go, Chris Lewis, go Trojans. I actually have the, uh, a master's in information assurance from DSU and a PhD from DSU. 
Uh, do you know of some resources to help me become more proficient at assembly since it is used heavily? Yeah, assembly. Yes, um, I do not have a great assembly resource. That's a good question for chat. Does anybody have a good assembly assembly resource? I feel like, hold on, let me let me let me let me see really quickly. Uh, a Udemy course, I'm not sure about that. Code Academy, nah. Codex. So I will say this: um, Is this free? So this is free. I'm going to share this right here, okay? I'm going to share this. I cannot guarantee I cannot speak to the quality of this, but what I will say is that I've used edX a few times. Uh, I've never paid for anything at edX. I'm not affiliated with edX, but a couple times I've done edX type training, the free ones, and I've enjoyed it. So um I'm going to offer this up, but I can't speak to the quality of it. Okay, Chris. So, oops, there we go. All right, let's go. How does the role of GRC analyst evolve as AI becomes more prevalent in risk management? Guys, with any role in uh, InfoSec, whether it's GRC, uh, SecOps, Red Team, or whatever, the way I see AI is it's just a tool to make you do your job faster, okay? Like, uh, even in the 100 people versus scammer video, Ryan was using uh, ChatGPT to quickly... What's up, uh, Jeremy Squad member? Um, the, Ryan was using ChatGPT to quickly modify a piece of code they were using to get the scammers to uh, turn their webcam on, right? Or open their webcam um, blinder off. So... To me, here's how I would use um, AI in the form of risk management. Like, like j just off the top of my head, okay? Say you're going to have a tabletop exercise next week or whatever. Great opportunity. You know, hey, ChatGPT, you are a chief information security officer with 20 years of experience in Insert Your Industry. You are running a tabletop exercise next week, and the people that will be there are roles not people's names but roles general counsel security operations third party lawyers executives whatever create a interesting scenario to drive the tabletop exercise that involves ransomware and make sure that you include you know uh pauses and questions to ask the different roles at different times the goal of the exercise is to uh, identify gaps in our workflows and processes and to ensure that staff is trained in the event we need to suffer insert incident that you're training for. <laughs> Hit enter and see what it spits out. That's exactly what I would do. Um, th that's just one example that I just made up on the fly. You could also say, hey, like I'm Mono Julian, right? Hey, ChatGPT, I'm Mono Julian. What's up? High fives. Tacos. I want to make life sciences, end-user cybersecurity awareness training content that can be snackable in 45-second increments. Give me 30 ideas for content and hook it into your mid-journey. They have plugins now for ChatGPT. And give me uh, a mid-journey prompt for each one to make a graphic to accompany my um, 30 to 45-second cybersecurity awareness training thing. There you go. There's two ideas. That's how I would use it. Um... 
Do you th uh, this coming in from GGG Neil? Do you think experience on Hack the Box will help in resume building? Uh, yeah, uh, yes and no. Okay, so I know that there has been some people who say like top two percent on Try Hack Me, and that's that's cool. But you, here's the thing: you got to keep in mind. Okay, think about with with Hack the Box or Try Hack Me or any of these things. Oh, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Okay. With Hack the Box, Try Hack Me, Haiku, Let's Defend, whatever platform you're learning on, remember this. When I am looking at your resume, okay, I'm a hiring manager. Who, who asked this question? GGG Neil. All right, so I'm looking at GGG Neil's resume, and it says, uh, like, completed 32 rooms in Hack the Box, or completed ultimate warrior machine and hack the box. Let's say that's a really hard one. You're very proud of it. That's great. I'm super happy for you, okay? I, me of all people, super happy for you. But as a hiring manager, when I look at that, what does that mean to me? So what? Like, I don't know hack the box. I don't know that machine. I don't know what you put into it. What you should be doing is completing hack the box rooms or machines and then distilling out the skills you had to learn or use in order to achieve success in that instance, right? So let's say you had to do cross-site scripting, right? Well then, and, and like, let's say you're going for a pen testing job. Well, then you can say like, you know, successfully um, exploited 32 different machines using cross-site scripting in order to achieve initial access or, you know, like basically tell me what you did because at the end of the day, you need to spoon feed me as a hiring manager for me to understand what value you can bring to me and my organization. That's all you're trying to do, right? Let's say you're a SecOps person. Then you can say, um, like, learned and analyzed cross-site scripting um, attack patterns in order, in order to understand how to make detection rules in EDR platform, right? Lima Charlie or whatever in order to detect it in an EDR solution. That's way more meaningful to a hiring manager than it is saying that you've, you completed some room, okay? So that, that's the one piece of advice I would say. Now, this coming in hot from Jenny Housley, and I really wanna share this, okay? Especially Chris Lewis, this is like so, so, so on brand, okay? Guys, this is Josh Strohshine. Dr. Josh Strohshine. Josh Strohshine is a good friend of mine. I love Josh, okay? He's no longer teaching at Dakota State University. He actually works for Google now. Uh, but Josh and I went through the PhD program together. So he was in my cohort, uh, one of the original. There was like, I, I think like 13 of us originally. This guy is awesome. He is one of my absolute favorite uh, educators I've ever met. His ability to deliver complicated information in a really accessible way is unparalleled. So definitely, if you want to learn assembly, get into that. Now, a super chat came in, so let me read that really quickly. Sorry if I missed the super chat, Joe learns. Gerald, I've been working in GRC vulnerability management for about nine months, but have nine years of IT before that. I have SEC plus and prepping for SSCP. Should I just cut breaks and go for CISSP? Um, I, I would, I would. Um, I have not seen a lot of market of marketing value in the SSCP. 
with nine years of IT experience, um, I suspect you, you could just crush the SSCP immediately. The CISSP has market value. HR uses it quite a bit as a, um, like, like, a, like an unlock, like, like, like a, almost like an undergraduate degree, like must have CISSP or equivalent, right? So I personally, Joe, if it were me, if it were me, I would focus on CISSP, not SSCP. Again, do your, do your research. I'm just one data point, but personally, I think the value is in the CISSP. Thanks for the super chat, Joe. Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right. Let's keep going here. Uh, Jeremy Williams, I got for seven hundred dollars. There were classic signs with some small things and a big purchase. Okay, um, let's see. Keep it on here, uh, guys. Um, what else do I want to share? I got a fun tomorrow's tidbits Tuesday. Um, I got a really fun tidbit uh, to share with you. Something really, really uh, generous from uh, very close friends of mine. So I'll share that tomorrow. Um, I was out Friday. I, I don't know if anyone's interested. I did speak at um, the Illinois Healthcare Risk Management Summit uh, conference thing. It was awesome. I ran out of time, which sucked. Um, I really gave a, what I would consider a really um, engaging, high-energy uh, talk. If you guys are interested, so check this out. Um, the guy who spoke after me, I had beers with him the night before. I took an Uber with him to the airport. Nice, nice guy. His name is Jack. He is a medical doctor from London and he's now, he's like on loan or something to MIT. And he's like a really, really hyper-focused expert on AI and AI training models and chat GPT and all these other things. It's not exactly cybersecurity, but it is really, really relevant. If you guys want, I asked him if he wanted to speak to Simply Cyber Community, and he said, yeah, but I wanted to ask you guys if you, if you thought about it. Um, I'd, love, I'd love your thoughts. Um, I, um, I did not cover the MGM um, scandal uh, because that was talked about last week. I mean, we could certainly talk about it if you want, D. Barry. Uh, I will not be playing Haiku today. Haiku is switched to an every other Monday cadence now. So I will be playing Haiku on September 25th next. If I want to be an analyst, this is coming from Joseph over on LinkedIn. If I want to be an analyst, why do I have to do CISSP when I don't want to be a manager? Is there an alternative? Uh, I mean, yeah. Joseph, so CISSP isn't for, like management track. CISSP is kind of rooted in our industry as a mid-level practitioner. No matter what you do, it's kind of generic. It covers multiple domains within information security. It's essentially a um, a certification that defines that you have uh, a broad mid-level infosec knowledge base. It's not a management cert. All right. Question from Ima Akwara. Would you recommend taking your GRC 101 when, when is available, even though I have taken your master class? All right. So, Ima, I am working on Cybersecurity 101, not GRC 101. Cybersecurity 101 will be an 
an inch deep, a mile wide across the whole industry. The idea behind it is if you're just getting in, if you have no idea, it'll be a great, great intro to everything. And when you're done, you should A, have a lot more understanding of what's going on and B, you'll know all the different jobs in the industry. Because a lot of people are like, oh, I want to work in cyber. And you're like, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, oh, I don't know how to answer that. Michael coming in hot with a super chat. My background is three years. Oh, I don't know what YOE is. I'm, I'm sorry. My background is three in, oh, three years of experience in Intel, volunteering with major local cyber groups, but no degree. Recently had to quit due to 12 to 16 hours, seven days a week work. Oh. What have what have your toughest overcomings with starting your own business? Well, um, so, okay, so Michael with the super chat. Thank you, Michael. Can we just become best friends? Yep. Um, okay, so as far as starting my own business, a couple things to point out. One, um, you know, I didn't just like quit on Friday and like hang a shingle outside on Monday. I've, I've been kind of like building my business over the last um, couple years, uh, consulting relationships. Uh, I guess the toughest thing to overcome, the toughest thing to overcome. Well, there's two things. One, the, uh, all right, so here's the toughest thing to overcome, Michael. And, and by the way, Michael, um, in, in January, I'm starting a new podcast with Ryan Lervik called Cyber Starters, which is going to be all about entrepreneurship and, and doing your own businesses in cybersecurity. So anyways, if you're interested, that'll be coming. Um, the toughest thing to overcome, I think, is twofold. One, um, actually threefold. One is the fear of doing it, okay? Like I, I like to manage risk all the way down. So like I was kind of burning myself out, working basically full-time job and then trying to build this business over the last couple of years. Um, but I wanted to land softly as I launched. So building that that pipeline of revenue, recurring revenue, being having, um, you gotta remember guys, most people, most people, um, we get trained at a very early age in, in school. Okay, this is a little bit of a, um, I'm, I'm sorry, this is gonna turn into a little bit of a like hot take Jerry kind of thing, but um, the way the modern school system works, where you get in at eight, a bell rings, you go listen to educators, a bell rings, you go somewhere else, a bell rings, you go to lunch, a bell rings, you're done with lunch, a bell rings, it's time to leave for the day. If you look at that, that, <laughs> that mimics a factory worker, that mimics a coal miner, right? Like, my understanding is Vanderbilt, very wealthy um, from the Gilded Age, implemented and spent a lot of money, honestly, on the education system in order to instill this behavior, right? You show up at a certain time, you listen to the bells, you go where you're supposed to do, you do the work you're supposed to, and at the end of the day, the bell rings and you punch out. The whistle blows, you punch out, right? So we get conformed to that at, at like a very deep level. So when you're breaking free of that, it's a little uncomfortable because like now you're kind of like making your own way and, and, and having your own paths and stuff like that. So it's a little, it's a little uncomfortable, but you know, for, for me, you know, I manage the risk all the way down. So you kind of lean into the uncomfortableness and, and go for it. The second thing I would say is, um, pricing. It, it's really, really hard to know how to do pricing, right? So like, let's say, Michael, you're going to start up a, a CTI company, right? What do you charge? 
right? And it's not just a flat rate. Are, are you doing like monthly retainers? Are you doing one-time big transactions? Are you partnering with some other business and delivering services through them as a subcontractor? Like the pricing part of it is really, really difficult. And I'll just give you one quick example, then we'll move on to the next one. Like, you know, early on with Simply Cyber, I was like, oh, like someone asked me like, oh, how much for that service, Jerry? And I was like, this amount of money. And they're like, oh my God, really? Okay. Like that's, <laughs> that's way less than I thought. And I'm like, oh, and you can't be like, you can't be like, I was just kidding. It's twice that. Like you've already said what your price is, right? So you have to do the work and suck it up that you just like undervalued yourself. And then the next time an opportunity comes, you say a number higher and they're still like, <laughs> like a different client's like, um, okay, like I'll take two then. And you're like, Jesus. And then you come way over the top rope and you're like, how much for this service? And you're like 15 X, whatever you originally said. And they're like, um, I'm good. I'm good. And you're like, oh, Jesus. So you have an upper and lower bound and you have to hone it in, but it takes time and effort and it's, it's a pain in the A. So good luck, Michael. Um, and love that you're doing the volunteer work. All right, here we go. I'm going to, I'm going to do ra uh, rapid fire now simply because we're at the bottom of the hour and I've got uh, to boogie on some work here. Um, anonymous over on LinkedIn says, could legal AI be used as a placeholder for communication with attackers pending a real legal person? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, um, LinkedIn. Um, I mean, if they're speaking legally, I don't think you want to do that. Cause that's kind of, um, you're risky, but if you're just like, whatever, like talking to a threat actor, I guess you could do that. Uh, anonymous on LinkedIn saying, I have a bachelor's degree in information assurance and a master's in cyber. Do I still need a CISSP? All right, so anonymous on LinkedIn. No, you don't need a CISSP. However, education, experience, and certifications, those are like the three legged of the stool, right? Experience is like the, the, the longest stool leg right now. It's the most valuable one. Um, the only reason I would say go get the CISSP is A, if you can get your employer to pay for it, and then B, look at the jobs you want. If a job you want says you need CISSP, guess what? You need CISSP. Now, if you're building your network and you're doing all the things and you can get in through a side door and have them waive that requirement, go for it. But I'm not saying it's free, but I mean, it's 600 bucks. And once you get it, it's good for a period of time and you can use it to unlock other stuff. Um, like, and I'll just give you another example, like really quickly. Like uh, I have the CISA, the CISM, which is the ISACA GRC certs, and I have CISSP. Like, I renewed my CISSP. I don't know why. I just did. Uh, like, I, I let it expire. And then, like, ISC Squared's like, please renew it. Please renew it. Here's the deal. Renew it. Renew it. So I finally just renewed it for whatever reason. But, like, I don't care if it expires because I'm in a different place than you. I, I don't need it anymore to get a job. But it can be very valuable to unlocking certain jobs for you because HR doesn't know HR doesn't know if you're a good cyber analyst or a okay cyber analyst. So they use things like CISSP to basically filter out candidates. It's not fair, but it is valuable. All right, guys. Um, let me just run through the, the last couple here. Uh, is there anyone here that can look at my resume? I'm in tech support. Um, so really quickly, uh, who said that? D. Barry. D. Barry, let me share this with you really quickly. And then I'm going to... I gotta go. Um... So I'm going on to the Simply Cyber channel under playlists. 
here, um, here is this playlist for ChatGPT tutorials, right? I'm gonna send, look at in the, the whole playlist, DBerry right here. See this one? ChatGPT resume hacks. You can literally follow this video. I'm gonna send you the whole playlist, but DBerry and anyone else who wants their resume reviewed, you can take your resume, put it into ChatGPT, then take the job posting you want, literally copy paste it into ChatGPT and say, hey, I want this job. Improve my resume to be more effective for this job. And it will do that and it will do it pretty well. Here, so D Barry. All right. How do you, last question, Akil George, how do you know, how do you, how do you quantify GRC relates experience on a resume to look good? Again, uh, Akil George, I would use ChatGPT to do this, but basically you want to talk about um, the impact of GRC type stuff, right? So like, you know, made, made 35 um, pieces of education, security, awareness, training, and life sciences. Again, going back to Mono's example earlier um, and communicated it on LinkedIn. If you post it to LinkedIn, check this out, right? Akil, say you have, you don't have a job and you're working to get one. If you do what Mono Julian, I suggested to Mono earlier with like creating these snackable things and every Monday at 9 a.m. you're dropping them on LinkedIn. Hey, what's up everybody? It's Mono's life sciences, cyber awareness tip of the week, right? You can expect it every Monday at 9 a.m. Follow me on LinkedIn for more content like this, right? Boom, boom, boom. Let's say you do it for four weeks, okay? Akil George, just like Mono. You can go back to LinkedIn, right-click, and look at analytics, and you can see how many people saw that piece of content, right? How many impressions, how many views, whatever. Then you can take those quantified metrics and put them in your resume and say, you know, ran you know four pieces 40 pieces whatever of cyber awareness content on life sciences to reach 48 excuse me 48,000 people or to reach 48,000 end users or whatever you know what i mean like you can you can wrap it up like that but if you can use quantified statements to convey impact that's hugely valuable you know like uh did did a risk assessment on uh, according to NIST cybersecurity framework to identify areas of risk or did an audit on access controls for a cloud service provider through a, you don't have to say like a nonprofit local church you could just say uh, I I review I reviewed the cloud-based access controls for an organization leveraging NIST cybersecurity framework right or leveraging CIS 18 or leveraging um, some um, baseline configuration standard okay. All right, guys. All right, guys. This has been a solid jaw jacking. I want to say shout out and thanks to the mods. You guys are awesome. Always bringing the heat. Shout out to the uh, to the community. 200 of you right here. Guys, congratulations. We set a new record today with 372 people live in chat. Uh, genuinely appreciate that. Uh, you know, again, tell a friend, bring a new, bring a buddy next time you come to the meeting, to the briefing. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time. I hope you guys, you're welcome, Akil. I hope you guys got value from the stream. I love it. Um, be well, and until next time, stay secure.
everybody. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.